Good morning. Oh, it's good to worship together, isn't it? <laughs> oh, boy. There is a way of living that brings glory to God, that blesses other people, and brings you tremendous fulfillment. There's a way of living that brings glory to God, blessing to others, and brings tremendous fulfillment to you. It's the adventure of trust. Let me, let me tell you a story. Of all places, I heard this story at, on ESPN, the sports network. And um, it's the story of these two football teams and, um, uh, playing in Texas. And this, uh, these two teams are Grapevine Faith Christian School versus the Gainesville State Correctional School. So it's a prison for, for young, uh, young people, kids that have gotten busted for crimes, ranging from murder to uh, assault to drug uh, abuse, not, not drug abuse, but having drugs. And, and so these, uh, these kids had this little outlet by playing football, but you know, they didn't have hardly anything. They only had 14 players on the whole team, on this, this prison team. Um, they hadn't won any games all year. They'd only scored two touchdowns the whole year. And they're playing with ratty equipment, you know, shoulder pads that were weak, uh, helmets that were, they were old. Um, just, you know, they didn't hardly have anything. Meanwhile, Grapevine Faith Christian School, they were killing teams left and right. And they, um, they almost had more coaches than the other team had players. Those of you who are not uh, football people, you need 11 people to play on a foot, you know, per side. So, you know, a lot of these kids, they only had 14, were playing both ways. Meanwhile, Grapevine Faith Christian School had 70 players. And so, you know, they've got all these, the, the best equipment. They've got all these players, all these coaches. And, you know, they were winning like crazy. They had won state championships. And, and everybody knew it was going to be a blowout. Everybody knew, you know, this is not going not gonna to go well. And um, the coach the, of the Christian school knew that they were going to just slaughter this team. And he, he started to think to himself, because he's trying to teach his kids how to serve. He's trying to give his, his Christian students a vision for serving. And he's thinking, man, what, what can I do as a football coach? I certainly can't ask my players to dial back, you know, to not play hard. That would go against everything I've been teaching them. So, you know, what could I possibly do? And so he came up with this idea of how they could serve these, these kids. So he, he said to his team, I, I, what I want us to do is I want you to recruit as many fans from your families and friends as possible to sit on the opposing team's stands. By the way, the correctional school never played a home game. They always played their games in away games. So I want you to, to sit in the stands on the on the, uh, you know, the, the correctional school's stands. They've never had anybody sit in their stands. Most of their families, this is crazy, most of their families had abandoned them, and so they got nobody who believes in them. And so the kids are like, what, coach, what are you doing? And so he's like, come on, catch this vision. Can Think with me. You know, nobody believes in you. This is what it's like for these kids. No one believes in you. You've been abandoned by your own family. You've been told you're, you're worth nothing. You know, you've done some things that have gotten you, you're in trouble. 
nobody's on your side, and you come to, imagine, you come to a football game, and there's people cheering for you. And one by one, these kids, these Christian students started catching the vision, and they're like, yeah. And, you know, each of them started to catch this vision, getting more and more excited about, as a team, what can we do? And so they went out and recruited their friends and their family, and the, the night of the game, the cheerleaders are cheering for the correctional school by name. They, they know the names of these 14 players. They created a banner, and these kids, they, you know, every football player's dream, they run through the banner, and they bust the banner, and they're like, what's going on here? We've never busted through a banner. And, banner, and who, who are these people in the stands? And they started cheering for them, and they're going, they're, they're, they know our names. And for a while, they were, they, you know, they were just kind of confused. They couldn't figure it out. But after a while, man, cheerleaders cheering for them, the crowds yelling, and, and uh, the game started. And these kids are just playing their hearts out. I mean, they still lost, but, you know, they, they're just having the time of their life, and they just can't believe what's going on. And Isaiah, who played quarterback and uh, linebacker, because they had to go both ways, he said after the game, he goes, I never in my life did I ever imagine hearing opposing parents from the opposing team cheering for us by name and, and pulling for us. And it was just an incredible feeling. So after the game, they gathered at the 50-yard line. This is, you know, actual footage from, the, you know, ESPN. And, um, and here's Isaiah. And he said, can I pray? And they're like, well, sure. And were, everybody was surprised, you know, they'd never heard Isaiah pray. And and, and I actually wrote down his prayer because it's such a powerful prayer. I wanted you to hear every word that he said. I got to get my glasses out for this one. Uh, check it out. He says, um, Lord, this is reported in ESPN. Lord, I don't know what just happened. So I don't know how or who to say thank you to, but I never knew there were so many people in the world who cared about us. Yeah, I'm not done. I'm not done yet. So on the way back to the, 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 the bus, there's guards, you know, with handcuffs and these, these you know, convict players. And the, this, this, the Christian students weren't done yet. So they handed every player a burger and some fries and a Coke and a candy bar and a Bible and a handwritten note from each one of those Christian kids just to encourage by name each one of those kids in, uh, in, in the, on the prison team. And the coach said, I want, when you write these letters, I want these kids to realize they matter. No matter what they've done, they matter. They are just as valuable as anybody else in the world. And they matter to God and they matter to you. And so these kids wrote these letters and gave them, and these, these kids get on this bus and, and they've got their, you know, handcuffs on and they're just like, what, what just happened? And it just is such a powerful picture of the simple act of serving to others. And it, it transformed these Christian students' lives. They caught a vision of, of serving. And I just wonder, what would happen if everybody who's hearing my voice, if each of us, caught the vision of serving as a lifestyle, that we caught a vision of serving the people around us. And this is the, this is the way we lived. It wasn't just on Sundays or it wasn't once a month. It wasn't just doing some serving activity once a year when we have serve our city or serve our schools. But, but as a lifestyle, 
This is what this coach was hoping to pass on to these kids, that as a lifestyle, you live as a servant. That, and, and what about if our church, okay, bigger than that, what if, what if the church of Jesus Christ caught Jesus's vision? Because remember, he said, I am among you. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. And he said, you wanna be great in the kingdom of God, then be a servant of all. What if each of us, followers of Jesus, each of us, can we just all say these three words out loud together? Each of us, one more time. Each of us, what if each of us caught that vision that Jesus cast, that each of us would be servants of God and servants of the people around us? Can you imagine the difference we could make in the world? Now, there was a guy who caught that vision, one of Jesus's first disciples. His name was Peter. And we know that Peter caught this vision because of the way he lived his life, recorded for us in the book of Acts, and because of a letter that he wrote. And I wanna invite you to turn to that letter and you'll see why this phrase is so important this morning. Each of us, 1 Peter chapter four, and then you find verse 10. Would you stand to your feet? 1 Peter chapter four, verse 10. And uh, I'll put this on the screen for us in the uh, New International Version. Peter writes, each of you, there's, there's, our, there's our each of us, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, whatever that means, to use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, or, or when you serve, serve as doing with the strength that God provides so that, here's the purpose, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ and to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen, that's right, okay, you can be seated. So you see this phrase that I have highlighted here, each of you, and if I can just have permission to say, you know, this is what you know, Peter is talking, is that each of us, and so if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that, if you look on your outline, you'll see I've got three points, and each one of those points has got this phrase stuck right in the middle of it, each of us, each of us. And so I want us to say out loud again together, each one of these points, three times, ready? Each of us, each of us, each of us, each of us what? Back to verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. And I, I kind of made a little bit of a joke of, you know, what does that mean? And if, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with the Bible's teaching about the different kinds of gifts, you might read this and go, okay, well, I want to obey this. I want to do this. So what, what gifts have I received? Well, my uh, my husband gave me an air fryer. You know, if you're a wife, my, my, my husband gave me an air fryer so am I, as a gift. So am I supposed to use that gift to make food for my neighbors? Um, you know, let's say you're a, you're a guy, your wife gave you this awesome power tool. You know, are you supposed to start using those tools to build things for your neighbors? Is that, is that what Peter's talking about? Use whatever gift you got for your birthday, for Christmas, to serve people. Now, I think that's a great idea, you know, make, especially if you live next to me. Can you make cookie, chocolate chip cookies in an air fryer? That sounds so good. 
you know, yeah, I'd love it if, you know, that'd be great. But I don't think Paul or Peter or Mary, Peter, Paul, Mary, I don't think Peter is talking about air fryers and power tools and, and that kind of gift. In fact, when Peter's writing this in Greek, this is kind of funny, the Greek language has three different words for gift. So when the writer is writing, they can choose one of these three different Greek words to hone in on very something specific in mind. And the word that Peter uses, not about air fryers and birthday gifts and, and uh, you know, Christmas gifts, something like that, it means spiritual gift. In fact, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians using the exact same word, there are different kinds of same word, gifts. And, he, and so it's spiritual gifts, but the same Holy Spirit is the source of them. That's why they're called spiritual gifts. That's why this is not what you got for Christmas or birthday, the source being your spouse or your parents. It's the source of these gifts. There's the spirits that are called spiritual gifts. That's the word that Peter uses when he says that each one of you should use whatever spiritual gift you have received to serve others. So again, if you're taking notes, point one is God entrusts each of us with spiritual gifts. Now let's be clear about who the each of us is. Peter's writing this to Christians. He's not writing this to the general public. This is a letter he's written to Christians. So if you're here today and you're like, well, I'm not a Christian yet. Do I have these spiritual gifts? No, you don't. But here's what you have to look forward to. When the day comes and oh, I hope it would might be today or soon where you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you stop living for yourself and you say, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna turn from living for me. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna live as a Christian. When you surrender your life, the Holy Spirit fills you, saves you, changes you, and starts giving you spiritual gifts. So this is what you have to look forward to as a Christian. God will give you by his spirit, spiritual gifts. And so you say, well, what exactly is that gift that I've been given Well, when Peter writes this phrase, each of you should use whatever gift, not only is that a spiritual gift given by the Holy Spirit to each Christian, but again, if I can just dig into the Greek a little bit, he uses a word that literally means grace gift, not just gift, but grace gift, or he almost could could translate it as the word gracing. So the Spirit graces you, gives you, so you didn't earn this, This is not something that because you're so mature, God gave you this gift, or because you're so good looking, or because you have the right parents, or because you've worked so hard, because you've been so faithful, because you've given money, or what, you know, none of that. This is out of God's pure grace that he gives these kinds of gifts, these spiritual gifts, these gracings. So when God gives us a gift, he's, he's, gracing us. We don't use that word very often. That's why I wanted to use it. He's he's gracing us. So what exactly is this gracing, this grace gift, this spiritual gift? So I've actually put a definition on the screen for you, and it's in your notes. A spiritual gift is a special ability. It's, It's a unique to just the Christian family of God, just the The church. It's a special ability given, again, we've already know this, by the Holy Spirit, that's why it's a spiritual gift, to every Christian, why? To enable, to give them the ability to minister and to serve 
as a part of the body of Christ. So these special abilities, I've just listed a couple here. There's a bunch of them in the Bible. There's a whole bunch of these spiritual gifts, like the gift of encouragement, the gift of teaching. I, I have the gift of teaching. The gift of hospitality, the gift of mercy, the gift of leadership, the gift of administration helps. I'm just, I just listed a few there, um, just get, again, to give myself as an example. Nobody who I went to high school with would ever have believed that I would be given the gift of teaching or preaching, that I would ever stand in front of a group of people and preach and, and you know, open the Bible and explain it. But God gave me a spiritual gift of teaching. So whenever I'm teaching and preaching and you think, wow, you know, I can sense something. That's God. It's not me. God didn't say, well, let's see if I can find a good speaker around here. Um, I'll, I'll take you, Jim. No, <laughs> yeah, I was the last person everybody would have thought, but God, this is the power of spiritual gifts. God gave me a gift. He said, now go use it for my glory to bless people, to, to build up the body, to help others. So this, this is how God's given me a gift. He's given each one of us multiple gifts. They're special abilities. And again, they, they're so that we can serve. You know, I, I don't use this gift for me. Use it for others. And you're thinking, well, Jim, you know, you're a pastor. I understand. God called you to be, a, you know, to be in the ministry. Yes, he did. And he did as you as well. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Remember what it said? Each of you? So that's why I want to highlight this word, these words here. A special ability given to, by the Holy Spirit to every Christian. So again, these words, each of you. So say with me one more time out loud, each of us, ready to go. Each of us have these spiritual gifts. There are no exceptions. Doesn't matter whether you're a brand new Christian or whether you've been a Christian for a long time or whether you have been a Christian and then have strayed and are not walking with God right now. You've given your life to Christ, but now you're doing your own thing. Doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has given you spiritual gifts. You're probably not using them if you're straying, but you have them. Each of you have them. And I, I get around Christians sometimes, and I think that they basically kind of transpose this in their own brain to instead of it being each of you, they kind of just say to themselves, well, some of you. And I know no one would say it out loud, but but you would think by the way that so few people serve, let me let that sink in. You would think by the way that so many people serve that some of us have kind of transposed this verse and changed it to mean uh, some of you should use whatever gift you have received. But the verse says, each of you, cross out some. God entrusts each of us with spiritual gifts. And when we say he has entrusted us, that fits this phrase here, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So, you know, we've been given these gifts. What does, that, what does this phrase mean? Well, we've been introducing this language of stewardship, and you can see the word steward, you know, in the word stewardship. So with these gifts that we've been given are not to us to use once in a while, you know, when I feel like it, but no, when we use them, we're to be a faithful stewards. Remember last week that we said we talked about stewardship is a relationship. Those of you here last week, we challenged you to get into a, a life group for the next seven weeks and to, to go through these. I don't need that. <laughs> go through these excursion guides. Are, are, you guys, are you guys doing this? Did you sign up for a life group? Oh, kind of quiet. <laughs> you still got time. 
jump in to, you know, contact the church office, say, I want to get involved in a life group. I just want to do it for seven weeks. That's cool. That's what this is, a seven-week um, group. And it's an adventure of trust that we're inviting each of us, all of us into. And uh, so when we talked about that last week, we said that stewardship is a relationship and the stewardship between us and God is these two roles. God is the trustworthy owner. You and I are the trustworthy stewards, or at least we're, we're supposed to be. That's how the relationship of stewardship is supposed to work. God's the owner. He's trustworthy to give, to entrust. We are the trustworthy stewards. And I told some stories about how, what a bad steward I was. You know, if you want to hear last week's sermon, you can go online and do that. But that's that relationship that God has in mind, that that's what it means to be a faithful steward is that I take what the owner has given to me, has entrusted to me. It doesn't belong to me. I'm the steward. I'm the manager, and I'm supposed to distribute. Let's use that word. Let's use that word. Instead of steward, let's use the word distributor, okay? So God gives his grace. This is how this works. God gives his grace to the church which is made up of individual Christians, amen, right? And individual Christians, each of us, distribute that grace out to the world. That is to each other, to neighbors, to people at work. And that's God's vision of how that grace gets distributed to people is that's why the church is still here. Otherwise, he would just save us and then bring us right to heaven. But the fact that you're still here, if you're saved, is because God has given you some gifts to distribute what he owns, what he has to the rest of the world. Um, how many of you flipped your heat HVAC system from cool to heat this past week? Anybody do that? So it got down to the 40s where, I was, where we live. And so, you know, I'm going to the, the, the wall there to click it from cool to heat. And, um, and just got thinking about the HVA system in my house. And I, I, I love when we get out of summer, even though I love summer, um, we don't have a very good HVAC system, HVAC system for our house, apparently, because um, and when it gets really hot, the air conditioning system is in the basement, and then we have two floors. So it's like going up to the, you know, like three floors. So the, the basement is freezing cold. <laughs> the first floor is cool, but the second floor is hot you know, especially our bedroom. And so, so we literally shut down the vents in the basement during the summer and we shut down the vents in the first floor to try to push all of the air that's coming from the unit up through the, the, the vents into our bedroom and it's still just barely squeaking out. And I'm like, ah, but when it gets to come to be, you know, wintertime and we need heat, it works just great. And I got thinking to myself as I'm standing there clicking, hitting that switch, you know, uh, this whole HVA system kind of, it could be a metaphor. So let me just play with it for a minute. A metaphor of how God's grace is. So God, let's say it's the heat of the summer, it's blazing hot outside, and God is the air conditioning unit, okay? And so he generates this refreshing air and the duct work, if you know how this works, is the church, all right? So this God, God's the power source. He, he blows this refreshing air through his church, the duct work, and then how does that get out of the duct work into the room? Through these little vents. Who's the vents? You know, who's the vents? We are. So we're like little vented Christians, okay? So, so the duct work is the church. The vents in the rooms are the, the, the Christians. So God 
instead of, instead of hot air or cold air now, it's God's grace gets generated, goes poured into the church, the ductwork, and then it's supposed to be, our vents are supposed to be open. That's what it means to be a faithful steward is the vents are open so that that grace can flow and be distributed wherever that vent is. So when you go to work, you're a vent. <laughs> you're a distributor of the grace of God that's being blown through. And so when you go to a, a gym, when you go to a school, when you go to home, you're that, you're that vent so that that heat or that cool air, whatever it is, can be experienced by people. So I think that illustration works. And basically, you have churches that have all shut their vents down. I, um, I was reading this past week about a, a, a research firm called Lifeway Research. Maybe you've heard of them. They were very famous. They researched 7,000 churches in the United States about this idea of serving and being in the community, using your spiritual gifts and serving in the church. And church after church after church, most churches, not all churches, thank God, but most churches, the majority of the churches were full of the majority of Christians who were not using their spiritual gifts, who were not serving at all. 7,000 churches. So it's like the church in Jesus Christ is full of people with their vents closed. <laughs> the church of Jesus Christ is full of people just enjoying the heat for themselves or just enjoying the cool themselves. And it's not getting out into the world because we've turned into a spectator church. We've turned, we've turned into the church of Jesus Christ, especially in America. Most churches are just come to consume. We just come and receive, receive, hear, and listen, and get fed, and get, love some music, and then we just go and kind of keep it to ourselves. And that was never God's plan. We're the distributors. We're the vents whereby his grace and his mercy and his gifts can flow. Amen? So each of us, say it one more time with me, not one more time, but again, each of us who are followers of Jesus are the vent through which the grace of God can be distributed. Why are we keeping it to ourselves? Why in this church? Let's not talk about the 7,000 churches. Let's talk about this church. Why do so many of us come week after week or month after month and, and not catch the vision of serving, of finding our role in the body of Christ and being servants? How does that happen? And I, you could blame me. I'm not teaching it enough. I'm not teaching it clear enough or you could blame it on you that you didn't see it in the Bible because you're not reading your Bible, or you could blame it on our busy schedules. We're just too busy, too busy to obey God. If you're too busy to obey God, you are too busy. I mean, honestly, what's the, what's the problem here? We've got a, a gap, don't we? Here's God's vision that 100% of God's people you know, not, it's not just his vision, but it's his plan. He gives 100% of us spiritual gifts. He calls 100% of us to serve. But there's a gap here because only, they say the average is 20 to 30% of Christians. That's terrible, you guys. What's the gap between 100% and 20 or 30? That's a 70 to 80% gap. How do we close that gap? What well, starts with recognizing that the gifts that God's given us 
or not just his grace being poured out, but he's actually trusting us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This, the stakes are a little bit higher. God's trusting that you will be a faithful distributor, a faithful steward, a faithful servant, a faithful minister, trustworthy, however you want to say that. And just so that we see that the stakes are a little bit higher here, look at this verse from 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote this, 1 Corinthians 4, 2. He says, it is required, ouch, there's no wiggle room there, that those who have been given a trust, now, some of you read out of the New American Standard Bible. I love that translation. Um, it's often called the, the most literal translation. Let me show you the New American Standards version of this verse. It is required of stewards. So the NASB translates that one word, stewards. The NIV translates that whole phrase. <laughs> so stu- what I've highlighted, stewards, is those who have been given a trust. That's, that's actually by comparing those two translations. It's a really good way for us to get a handle on. What do we mean by steward? We mean those who have been given a trust. And then what does Paul say we're required to do? You can see it in either translation. We must prove faithful, or the NASB must be trustworthy. Now, some of you, lights just went on. You're like, whoa, 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 trustworthy steward. Hey, I've heard those words before. Yeah, we get our language of the Christ acronym, trustworthy steward, comes right from this verse, 1 Corinthians 4.2 in the New American Standard Bible, that we would be trustworthy stewards. So we talked about this last week. This is, this is our understanding of how Jesus lived his life. He lived connected to God through the word and prayer. He had a heart of worship. He related with other-centered love. So as, as we live like Christ, this should be happening in our life, that we are intentionally evangelizing, that we're spirit-led servants, and that each of us are living as trustworthy stewards of God's resources. So here is one of my questions for this morning. Is if each of us have all received gifts from God, how are each of us doing with those gifts? You could write it down like this. The only way to be a trustworthy steward is to use what God has given for the purpose that God intends. How do we close the stewardship gap between the fact that God's given 100% of us gifts, but only 20 to 30% of us are using them to serve? How do we close that gap? How do we fulfill God's vision for the church? Obedience, or to use the words that Peter and Paul are using today, we serve. Point one, God entrusts each of us with spiritual gifts. Point two, God expects us to obey him. Clearly, God expects each of us to serve. I want you to say this out loud so that it gets settled into your spirit. So all of us, I want us to repeat out loud point one and point two. Out loud, let's go together, shall we? God entrusts each of us with spiritual gifts, point two. God expects each of us to serve. Kind of funny, you know, I, we're all using the words each of us, but not all each of us are saying them. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Of all the phrases that you would repeat and that and some people would say, well, I'm not each of us. You're each of us, you know? So it's funny that some of us just won't say that. I just think that's really interesting. So, so this each of us, is all of us have been entrusted. Each of us have been, God expects that to be happening in our lives. And so let's get down to brass tacks about how 
this actually works out in my life. I've talked about it. It's when we go to our neighborhood. It's when we go to our workplace. It's when we go to the church. It's when we go to our workout place. It's basically wherever we are, God expects us where we are to live as followers of Jesus. And part of that means a lifestyle of serving. Not once a year or once a month or even once a week. So some of you, it would be a huge upgrade for you to serve once a week, but that's not what the God's calling us to. He's actually calling us to a lifestyle of serving. Some of you might recognize that language of lifestyle. It's a part of our discipleship process. We've been emphasizing that when we're followers of Jesus, we discover that we're not just here to sit, we're here to, to discover discipleship and devote ourselves to God's word, to deepen our roots in, in life groups and community, and then to do ministry as a lifestyle. This is, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus taught his disciples, got them in life groups, devote, you know, gave them the word of God, and then called them and then sent them to do ministry and to learn it as a lifestyle. That's why all these years later, Peter, one of the first disciples, caught the vision in his writing. Each of us should use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its manifold forms. That, that's, he caught the vision. And again, I said, I want, I want to get this down to brass tacks, to nuts and bolts. So how do we do that? Let me talk about it like this. Two general kinds of ways. If you're taking notes, you can see this. Two general kinds of ways. The first way is what we would call a, the structured way. And um, remember how I talked about Paul says that each one of us are a part of the body of Christ? The body is a structure. Does this make sense? You know, when God, God you know, gave us spirits and souls, he's like, you need to have a body. You need to have a skeletal system. You need to have, you know, muscles and ligaments and all that. So, so the body, if you can hear this, is just a, a structure that holds you together, okay? So it's a system. It's, it's, way, it's a structured way of doing things. My ear always acts like an ear. It never acts like a nose, I'm assuming that's true for you. You don't smell with your ears, right? It's just checking. Oh, I saw somebody's hands. Oh, no, I'm just scratching. Okay. Um, No, nobody smells with their ear. Your ear always, if it's functioning right, always works as an ear. So Paul, brilliant metaphor, uses the, the physical body that each person has as a way of trying to explain spiritual gifts, as a way of explaining how we work in the body. So in 1 Corinthians, he says, The human body has many parts. We can see that. But the many parts make up one body. So many parts, one body. It's the same way with the body of Christ, Christ's presence in the world. All of you together are Christ's body. So you got the the big picture. We're all. But each one of you, there's our each of us again. Each one of you is a separate, oh, and necessary part of it. So he, he expands on this metaphor. He literally says in, in the, uh, later on in this chapter, chapter 12, is, every, is the whole body a nose? <laughs> no, it's kind of goofy to even think about that. Is the whole body an eye? No. Or can the eye say, I by myself am the body? No, you're just the eye. Can the nose just say, all by, all by myself, I'm the body of Christ? No, you're a part of the body. So right now, you instantly understand that we need to work together. Each part needs to do its role 
for the body to function. You know, if I wanna go somewhere, my mind says, let's go, I need my feet, my legs, and my trunk and everything to cooperate so I can go someplace. There are times where God wants the church of Christ, the body of Christ, to go do something, but there are feats and feats. There's feats and legs in the body that won't do it. I mean, won't do it. So just, just play this out. The, so the body of Christ on earth, the church, it's like we won't do what we were made to do. See, when I say it like that, doesn't that feel like, oh, ouch. I mean, I, I don't wanna be disobedient. And this is why I'm teaching this morning, helping us catch this vision that each one of us need to find our role in the body of Christ. So are you a nose? Are you an ear? Are you an eye? Are you an elbow? Are you a finger? What is your part? Obviously, you're not a nose. You're, you're, you're a person, but you, you guys get the metaphor. So what's your role in the body? And your role is dependent upon the way God's gifted you. Each of you use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So here's just a, not a rhetorical question, but just flat out, what are you doing with the gifts that God's given you that are meant to be used in the body? Um, sometimes I think that we think, well, you know, the church really doesn't need me. The church doesn't, you know, need my part. All we really need is the pastor, you know, some singers and, you know, some people to hand some things out. You know, we, we don't really need all these things. You know, let me, uh, I just made a list of, where is that? A list of all the things that happen just on a Sunday morning. And I guess I do need the list, this, not this piece of paper that I dropped. Um, so I'm gonna read this so I don't miss anything. This is just Sunday morning. This is not Monday through Saturday. Someone was here or several people were here at 6.30 this morning to open the facility, get the lights on, turn the heat on. Here in the auditorium, volunteers made sure all the chairs had pens, connection cards, and offering envelopes. Very early this morning, all the volunteers on our worship team were here practicing together for the second time this week so they could lead us with excellence and unity as a worship team. But you wouldn't be able to hear them or see them if there wasn't a volunteer tech team doing the sound and lights and slides, making sure all the complex intricacies of those systems were working together. If you're watching online, or at another campus, not only would you not be able to hear the preacher, you wouldn't even be able to see him if it wasn't for all the volunteers running cameras, switchers, video production equipment in different rooms each morning. Some of them are right underneath my feet, right here underneath this, this floor. In fact, if it wasn't for the volunteers who write my sermons each week and give me each word to say through a tiny little wire in my ear this moment, you wouldn't, uh, they just stopped. So now I have nothing to say. No, no, I don't have volunteers feeding me the words. I actually wrote my own sermon, but I did have a volunteer to help me. His name is the Holy Spirit, great volunteer. But the, I'm just getting started with all the volunteers who serve each Sunday. Imagine walking in, getting out of your car, Sunday morning, this morning, there's no smiling face to greet you, no one to open the door, no one to answer your questions, no one to hold an umbrella when it's raining, all done by our volunteer guest service, no one to hand you a bulletin, no one to, to give you direction. Imagine there's no one prepared to teach your children and lovingly care for your babies. All this is done by volunteer. In Kidsmen, there's a full-scale production that is done for some of our kids. It's just as complex as what's happening here in this room right now. And a lot of it is done by volunteers. In the crossroads, volunteers have prepared coffee and baked muffins and tea. And if you're in part of one of the adult classes that meets on Sundays, all, most of the teaching, facilitating, greeting, 
preparation, refreshments that are all brought, all that done by volunteers. And I haven't even begun to mention the life groups, the student ministries, and other ministries that are going on throughout the week. I'm just focusing on what's happening this morning in each one of our campuses to illustrate this is just a big example of all the things that have happened. And on top of all that, all week long, this morning before I stood up to preach, and right now as I'm preaching, there are volunteers praying for me, for you, for each of us to catch this vision of being the body of Christ and finding our role. So here we are. Do you know your role in the body of Christ? And if you do, are you filling it? If you don't, why don't you know? Well, you say, I, I, um, I'm just busy, or I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Ex- explain those excuses when you stand in front of Jesus and he says to you, and he will, I gave you money, gifts, time, abilities. I gave you, I entrusted all of this to you. What did you do with it? Uh, I kept it to myself. How's that gonna go? That's why I'm here today, to help you avoid that day. So you can stand in front of him and he says to you, well done, good and trustworthy, faithful servant. You've, you've, you've been a faithful, trustworthy steward of what I've given you. Now, remember I say there's, there's two big ways. So that's the structured way, each of us finding our role. Each of us, no exceptions. Each of us finding our role in the body of Christ. But then there's this lifestyle of spontaneously finding our, you know, I mean, now I don't mean spontaneously, I mean serving spontaneously. So I'm at work on Tuesday and, and some, you know, a need comes up and I think to myself, I can help that person. So I go help them. On next Sunday, you see somebody who's discouraged and they look kind of down. So you go up to me and go, how are you doing? You ask them, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm just, I had a terrible week. How about right then and there, you say, can I pray for you? That's a spontaneous thing. It's not a, it's not a, a role. You know, it's like, I'm supposed to pray at 1035 at this spot. No, this is a spontaneous thing. It can happen Monday through Saturday. It can happen on Sunday. That There's all these spontaneous opportunities to give, to serve, to pray, to, to help people. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you so you're doing ministry as a lifestyle. And again, I, I've challenged people and I've literally heard people say, I can't do that, Jim. I don't have a seminary degree or I don't know enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't, it's always, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But let me under, help you see something that God has given you all we need to start serving. So, you know, let's say you became a Christian today. Are we gonna ask you to preach tomorrow, next Sunday? No, that's not where God wants you to serve the, the one week after you become a Christian to be the, the pastor of the church. But he does have a place for you to serve. Every single one of us have a place to serve We don't need more teaching. We don't need more equipping. We can start serving right where we are. Just be honest with you. 
I need more teaching. I need to be fed more. I'm just in a season where I need to be fed. These are all excuses. That's what they are. They're excuses for disobedience to God. You have all you need to obey God. Start obeying him. Close that gap. Because see, when we just receive, 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 get fed, get fed, here teaching, here teaching, but we don't serve. It's like people who are just eating and never get up from the table. <laughs> what happens to a person who just eats, 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 and never gets out and exercises, never gets out and moves? Well, they become fat. I can use that word. When we receive more than we serve, we become fat. It's true physically and it's true spiritually. I mean, do I want you to come every Sunday to hear the teaching of the word? Yes. Do I want you to, you know, be in a Bible study? Yes. Do, am I saying you shouldn't get fed? No. Do I want you to come to next week's, you know, discipleship retreat this Saturday to get fed more? Yes. I want you to do this. Get fed. But don't just use that as an opportunity to give more, give more, and never serve. You receive so you can give. Amen. Now, here's the funny thing. There's, it's also to the opposite way that some people fall in love with serving so much and it's just like, it's like a buzz from serving and they're just bouncing around, serve, 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 serve and they never sit. And actually, they're not here today. They're not sitting in the service because they're out, you know, moving around. And sometimes we can get so busy, busy, busy doing for God that we don't sit at his feet. We need to be fed. So the, the opposite is true. When we serve more than we receive, we become faint. This happens in every church. It's happened in my life where God has said to me, Jim, you are so busy serving, you've stopped at sitting at my feet. You're so busy getting sermons. When will you just sit and enjoy me? And I have to repent. Say, so you're right, Lord. Before I'm a pastor and a preacher, I'm a disciple and a son. Amen? All of us. This is why so many people burn out get an attitude towards the church. The church used me. They, maybe they did, but not against your will. You kept serving, 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 and you stopped receiving. There needs to be a balance. So here it is. Here's the balance. When we serve with what we receive, we become faithful. And that's the picture that God has designed for us. Faithful stewards, trustworthy stewards. And I can still hear some of you going, well, I, I, I don't, I just, ugh, I just don't feel like I have enough, like I am enough. Okay, let's, let's continue reading. You keep your Bible open. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should speak as the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So God is not saying, I want you to do this in your own strength. He's not saying, I've called you to be a nose in the body, or I've called you to be a teacher in the body, or I've called you to, to, be, to work with children in the, in the body. Now, figure it out, do it in your own strength. no. He says, I'll give you the strength. So God not only entrusts us and expects us, he empowers each of us with strength. How does he do that? Well, when we study the book of Ephesians, we learn the answer to this question. Ephesians 3, 16 says that, that Paul prayed out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen, there's our word, with power. How? Through his Holy Spirit. So it's by his spirit that God, in, that God empowers you and strengthens you to do what he's called you to do. Because some of you are sitting here right now thinking, okay, Jim, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna step out. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna serve. I'm just gonna trust that God's gonna give me the strength. God bless you. 
God bless you. And, and while I'm blessing those of you who are thinking right now, okay, I'm gonna do it. Let me just pause and say thank you to all of you who are serving right now. God bless you. Later on today, or when the service closes, find somebody that you, that you know is not serving and just encourage them. Just say, hey, jump in. Come on, get in the game. Let's do this together. We're the body, each of us, okay? That God's spirit will give you all that you need. He will strengthen you. And when we live that faithful kind of moving in the power of the spirit, oh man, this is what happens. God gets glorified. Remember how I said to begin the sermon that there's a way of living where God is glorified and people are blessed and, and you and I are, are encouraged and fulfilled. When we serve this way, God gets glory. God is glorified when each of us use whatever he gives us. This, this is one of the ways that God, God receives glory. If, if you're here today and you worshiped God a couple of seconds ago, a couple of minutes ago, maybe you had your hands up, maybe you didn't, but you were engaged in worship. But then you go out and you live for yourself. Your worship was in vain. Yeah, I know, I just stepped on some toes. The Bible actually talks about people like that. You worship me at the festivals and in services, but your lips are far from me. Your heart is far from me. You worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So you ready to serve? This is where you say, yes, pastor. Uh, each of you, no exceptions. Okay, tell me what I should do. Well, the staff of this church has been working very hard to make this very simple for you. They, they, first of all, they put together a card, and I'm gonna ask our ushers to come as I'm talking right now. Our ushers, would you, would you go down and get those cards and start handing them out? And these little red cards that you see on the screen are for every one of us, or shall I say, each of us. So this is not some of you get a card and some of you don't. Where's my card? Here it is. Each of us get a card and uh, just start handing those out. Thanks, guys. And what you'll see here is a list. Our staff put together a list and by ushers, don't let anybody off the hook. Give one of these to every single person. You hear me? Every single person, because we're doing each of this, right? And what they've, our staff has started by just giving us a list of some ways that you guys can jump in. <clears throat> and then you see, I've circled up here on your, on your card, and I've also put it right here, the actual step for you to take this morning. <clears throat> I want to make sure we all hear that, because <clears throat> we're all looking at the cards. Way to go. Okay, now would everybody look up here real quickly? I'm inviting you to take a step, each one of you this morning. Here's what you do. You text the letters serve-e to 440-323-4644. Yeah, it's the church number. And uh, serve-e, the E stands for two things. It stands for Illyria. It also stands for experiment because some of you are like, I'm not signing up. <clears throat> because I've heard the people who sign up get stuck in that ministry forever. Nope, Here, everybody say the word experiment with me out loud. Experiment, this is it, let's say it again. Experiment, this is a chance for you to experiment with serving in student ministries, you, um, children's ministries, worship ministries, tech ministries, guest services, whatever, out, discipleship, outreach. Just experiment with that. So text that number and then that, watch the screen. Now that'll bring you on your smartphone to this screen. So this is what, should, you should get this screen when you text that number. 
And some of you are like, oh, Jim, come on, really? I don't know. I don't even have a smartphone. Well, I have a smartphone, but I'm a dumb user. Okay, I, I, I totally get that. Our staff is so on top of this. They're out there waiting for you, for those of you who say, I, I need help with my smartphone. They're waiting for you. You bring your phone and they'll help you get to this page on your phone. They're, they're geniuses. And you say, well, okay, Jim, I, I, I see I should text and, and I know how to do this, but I'm, I'm just not ready. That's why it's an experiment. Well, I wanna talk to somebody. We thought of that too. Our staff are waiting for you. So some of you, maybe even most of you, every Sunday morning when you get up and leave, you go out right out the side doors. You don't ever go to the crossroads. You never talk to anybody. Today, we've locked those doors. You can't get out. I Please delete that phrase. Fire marshal, don't want to hear the fire marshal hear that. Okay, I didn't really lock them. Yes, I did. And you can't get out until, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but. I'm trying to make a point. Our staff are waiting. They'll talk with you. They'll answer any question you have. You're like, well, I don't know which ministry. Ask them questions. You know, even if there's a person who's working with students, they'll help you find a place in tech ministry or in worship. They're there to serve you. Here, this is what our staff are here to do today. So, so staff, can you get up and leave? Right, literally, I mean, can staff get up and leave right now? And the other, all those who are all gonna help. Um, our staff are here to serve you, to help you obey God. And they're out there waiting to help you. So I, ideally, all of you are text right now. Those of you who are like, I need some tech help, they're out there to help you. Those of you who say, I wanna talk to somebody about what ministry I can get involved in, they're out there for you as well. Amen? This is so, guess what I'm gonna say next? Each of us can obey God, close that stewardship gap, and that we become the kind of church that Jesus dreamed of, that we become the church where the whole body of Christ is serving. Each of us, using whatever gifts we have received to serve others, thereby as being faithful stewards of the grace of God, that's being distributed to this whole world. So let me pray for you. Father, send us from this room into a place of serving, uh, an opportunity to talk. May we, each one of us, text or talk to somebody and sign up to experiment with our role in the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, help us, encourage us, move us, Help us to obey, for we pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. And that's your benediction, no closing song. Your active, your active step is to go out or to text right where you are. You know, this is where I'm gonna sign up, amen? All right, see you next week. <laughs>